Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity, where we share the cybersecurity journeys of individuals that have broken into cyber so that you can have a role model and tips and tricks from someone that has done it themselves. Today, we have Tom Harrison on, Sock Monkey Sec, um, at Sock Monkey Sec. I, I, I love that um, username. So he will be sharing his journey with you all. For those of you on LinkedIn, his profile is listed in the comments so that you can follow and connect with him. For those of you on YouTube, hit subscribe and that notification button. That way you can stay connected with us in the future. And for everyone else, feel free to comment in the chat and we'll have Tom share his share his advice on those. So first, Tom, uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you did before cyber. Hey man, uh, well thanks for for in, inviting me here. I'm glad to glad to be here. Um, so I have a, kind of a strange background uh, getting into cyber. Um, before I was into this, my uh, uh, first career was in music of all things. Uh, I went to I went to college to be a professional trombone player. Um, and I, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Tennessee in musicology. Um, I. Uh, I found out very quickly that uh, I, I really enjoyed making other people sound better than trying to sound good myself. So that led to a degree in audio engineering. Um, I uh, Once I graduated college, I worked as a freelance trombone player and audio visual engineer for a uh, touring company that uh, went around the country living the rock and roll lifestyle, which was awesome. Uh, but then I uh, um, became a dad. And uh, that drastically changes your priorities. I, I loved doing what I did, but I realized that I couldn't be the dad that I wanted to be when I'm out on the road nine, ten months out of the year. So uh, I came home. I uh, called in a uh, favor with an old buddy of mine and got a job climbing telephone poles for AT&T. Um, that was, a, uh, again, big change, but uh, it was a great opportunity. Uh, I got to learn a lot about basics of networks and things like that. And there was a, an amazing program through the union there that would help pay for us to go back to school. So as part of that, I went back to uh, school at Western Governors University, got my bachelor's uh, in uh, network operations and security. And uh, remember, I didn't couldn't tell whether I really wanted to get into networking or security. But when I took that first security class, I fell in love with it and I said, this is absolutely what I want to do. Uh, I got bit by the bug. Uh, and then shortly after I got my, my first job as a SOC analyst. Well, let's kind of talk about that. Um, so you went from trombone, doing trombone to climbing telephone poles. Um, yeah. I'm guessing while climbing telephone poles, you might've had to do some troubleshooting, but was there any interactions with computers or interest in computers um, before then? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, as with as most folks here, we've always been uh, had a knack for computers. As most of us start out, we are our family's tech support, uh, uh, fixing emails and screensavers and 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 uh, uh, broken web issues and things like that. Um, but I've always had a knack for it. Um, I always, of course, love video games, and uh, I was really big into emulators, and that was my first uh, foray into software and um, tweaking of the operating system to get things to work, which was really fun. Um, my dad was uh, into IT, 
when I was younger, he was a, a system administrator for uh, a bank in North Carolina, and uh, he would always be bringing home his uh, his MCSE textbooks, and I would see him working at remotely late at night and uh, uh, see him working on a command line or something like that. And I always thought it was just so fascinating because it, it was strange. It, was, it looked cool to me. So why go into trombone then? Um, it was, uh, I, I always loved music as well. Um, I, I, it was interesting. I remember back in, uh, uh, fifth grade when, when, uh, we first started getting into to music and they have this line of different instruments along the wall and you get to pick out the first instrument you have for orchestra or, uh, or band or something like that. And I remember seeing the trombone and I was like, that, that doesn't have buttons or strings or like, how does, how does that work? And I was curious. I wanted to know how it worked. Uh, so I, that's why I picked the, picked the trombone and it was, it was a blast. I've played in a couple of really awful high school bands and, uh, uh, actually got a scholarship to, to university of Tennessee to play in the marching band. And, um, I mean, music has always been a passion in my life, but, um, there's no law that says you can't have more than one, right? That's true. That's true. Um, okay. Just trying to dissect uh, the, the mind of the hacker and see where the hacker mentality comes from. And it, it looks like it might have been inherited. So yep. you, you joined AT&T. They kind of provided you with this training. Was this um, a lateral transfer in AT&T to your first sock, Or what, what was the, the journey there like? So um, AT&T, it was, I mean, it was a fantastic job. Um, I was uh, in an interesting position they called the universal technician. It was, uh, they were trying to consolidate a lot of the roles and they were testing out a theory where they wanted one person to do just about as many of the field tasks as possible. So everything from climbing a telephone pole and hooking in wires to setting up uh, fiber optic ponds at customers and businesses to uh, configuring routers uh, and firewalls to make pinholes for people's security cameras and everything in between. Um, it was uh, phone troubleshooting, setting up voice networks, um, uh, video networks for, for their video services and, and anything and everything. So it really, like you, you said earlier, it was a, a first and foremost, a great intro to basics of networking. IP addresses, ports, um, physical cabling and connectivity, uh, troubleshooting was a good chunk of, of the job. Um, and that, that, that analytical diagnostic mentality was a lot of that training and that I really, I really loved. So you did your, did your training, um, and then you were looking for your next role. What, what was that search like? Well, um, at the time, uh, they had not yet uh, purchased uh, Alien Vault um, and gotten all of those services going on, but that would have been an awesome opportunity there. But I uh, um, <clears throat> knew that I wanted to be a SOC analyst at that point. I'd gone through my training, got through my degree, and I'd been bitten by the bug. So I started trying to figure out where could I, where could I go. Um, there wasn't much opportunity uh, for transfer within the company, so I started looking locally. And um, uh, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, so we're close to Oak Ridge. There's a lot of military defense contractors up there. There's a, um, it's, it's slowly becoming a pretty big tech hub. 
uh, and I found a sock actually a mile and a half from my house. Um, I rode my bike to it a couple of times. Uh, it was sword and shield at the time, which is, is now a Verdium. Um, and they gave me my, uh, my first shot in, um, in security. So was that like the only job that you applied for? Like how many sock roles did you apply for before you, you got that one? Uh, I applied to, uh, a couple of others. There was, um, I applied. There was uh, one over at Oak Ridge National Labs. There was a couple other firms that are up in Oak Ridge, um, and this one uh, I applied to, and uh, I, I kind of uh, realized something in looking at the application. Uh, they put in part of the app the job posting. Um, this is a third shift position in all caps, and I was like. Uh, does that mean they have trouble filling this because people don't want to work third shift? Um, so uh, I didn't have a problem working with third shift. I mean, being an audio guy, I, I, I'm well, well versed in um, uh, being a, a night owl. But uh, I talked to my wife and, and I knew that would be a, a little bit difficult, uh, but she was incredibly supportive of it. And we kind of realized that because I didn't have previous security experience, uh, this would be a, a great way to kind of tilt things in my favor is to say, hey, I know I'm young, I'm junior, I don't have the experience, but I do have the certifications, the training, a ton of passion, and I'm willing to do the job that nobody wants to, which is work the, sure. the lo lonely third shift. <laughs> um, so that um, being able to do that, because uh, the, the, uh, the hiring manager actually reached out to me twice and said, are you sure about this? This is a third shift job. I'm like, yes, I know it's a third shift job. I am 100% okay to work a third shift job. Just give me a chance. Um, <laughs> and they did. They and they granted me the interview. So nice. What was the inter What was the interview like when you're going from your everything troubleshooting to trying to get your first SOC analyst role? Because I think there's a lot of SOC analysts out there that aren't sure what you're walking into when you're you're having that first SOC analyst interview. Yeah, so um, it I found that it kind of varies between between place to place because you have some some groups that are looking for like, hey, I have an immediate need. I need somebody who's competent just so I can bring you in with as little training as possible and get you to working because I got too much stuff on my plate. Uh, others, a larger, more structured groups are, hey, we, we're willing to bring you in, we're willing to train you. We're just looking for someone with passion and potential. So it really comes down to, to showing that. Um, I think I remember in, in the interview with... Uh, um, with Sword and Shield, uh, the, what what I think really pushed me over the edge is they were uh, going through my resume and they're like, you know, either you don't have as much any security experience before this, but I see you do have some some technical troubleshooting. It's like, yeah. I said, well, also what we hear you see you have a, a degree in music. How do you think a degree in music will 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 help you be a good sock analyst? Uh, and I said, well, um, I have a very expensive piece of paper that says I know my alphabet to G and I can count to four. So. Um, but uh, uh, I, I had noticed that um, uh, uh, 
in, in talking with one of the, the VPs that was in the interview, he was saying that he was a musician in his free time. And he says, you know, I, I know that mentality. And, you know, I'm, tell me a little bit about how that that translates to what your passion would be here. And I told him, well, when I knew that I wanted to be in cybersecurity, I knew that there was some some other training and stuff that I needed to do. I didn't have a laptop at the time. So um, I went and I sold my Paul Reed Smith guitar and my Eggnator uh, uh, 2x12 amplifier. And I traded it for um, a nice uh, laptop. Uh, and so I could, and just specifically so I could install Linux on it and I could learn Linux and I had a mobile uh, a setup where I could train whenever I was you know, out working or something like that. And I just remember seeing the guy's face. He was like, oh, why did you do that? Like, I appreciate the dedication, but oh, that pains me. I was like, yeah, it, it pained me too. But uh, it, it, sometimes you got to make sacrifices in order to make some of those bigger changes. And uh, it was fun. But um, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And uh, I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to get there. Yeah, nice. That definitely shows um, shows dedication. One of the questions that we have from the audience is, do you think being able to read music helps you see anomalies on a dashboard? Uh, read music? Uh, not necessarily so, but I would say um, in formal classical music training, when I went through, they have um, all sorts of different classes. And one of the series of classes is uh, form and analysis, where you are literally given uh, sheets of music and you are supposed to analyze the sheets of music and find out, okay, this is the A section, this is the B section, this is a bridge, um, uh, this is this motif, this is this motif. And you're supposed to look at the structure of the musical elements. Um, and that honestly was probably one of my first forays into seeing analysis and patterns. So I would say that it, it not necessarily security and, and, and uh, anomalies on a dashboard, but whenever you see large data sets, I mean, that's, that's essentially what music is. It's large structured data sets just in a municipal context. When you approach it that way, you're able to pick out patterns. And that methodology is very similar, I'd say. Nice. We have uh, Terry also on LinkedIn asking, um, she's in new tech and find Linux difficult. Would you say that uh, as a cyber risk manager, there's a required knowledge of Linux? Um, I would say yes, only because uh, of exactly that issue, that because Linux is difficult, it's not as ingrained in just about everybody's daily workflow like like Windows is. There's a lot of the Linux platform that is, it's complex, there's a lot that's custom, and because people don't know it, there is inherently more risk to it. There's less knowledge of knowing how to secure it, know how to harden uh, the operating system, know how to uh, secure authentication mechanisms and services within those platforms. It's 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 something that's not familiar. And as with anything, when you specifically talk about being a cyber risk manager, there's more risk in the unknown and things you're unfamiliar with. Love it, love it. So you traded your guitar and your amplifier for your first laptop. Um, yeah. Where where did things go from there? So um. It was a fantastic experience because that got me in the door. Um, I got immediately put in a sock with a ton of fantastic, brilliant people 
Um, there were a couple of guys that had moved over from ORNL. There was um, uh, uh, a malware researcher guy that was one of the SOC analysts who was absolutely brilliant. Um, and the guys there gave me a couple of pieces of advice that uh, really kind of built out how I was going to shape my training and growth from there. Um, uh, one of the senior guys, uh, when he was training me, says, um, I handed me his bookmarks file and said, hey, this is going to be the best trick for, for you from now on for the rest of your career. Anytime you go to a new sock or anytime you go to a new shop, you go up to the smartest guy in the room and say, hey, give me your bookmarks file. You find the, the tools and the resources that they use to train themselves and you use it for yourself, you're going to get so many fantastic things you didn't even know uh, was out there. Um, I, I would agree with that. I had um, I had someone share me their their Feedly file, and that was like gold for keeping up with everything that's happening. Um, and ever since then, I've been hooked on using Feedly for like keeping up with stuff. So that that's like the the bookmark file, but for RSS feeds for folks that don't know about it, um, highly recommend it. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Oh. Feedly comes with like a really nice stock setup for uh, a list of cybersecurity related RSS feeds, but there are so many more out there that are, are, are worth their weight in gold. Well, when I joined, um, they didn't have anything. They didn't have any stock, um, anything. But n yeah, now they have a whole threat feed if you're in threat intelligence and now they highlight um CVEs and things like that in the feeds for you. So uh, definitely helpful. So, so Tom, what were some of the, the things that you found in that bookmark files that allow you to grow your career from SOC Analyst 1 to your next stage? Oh, man. Um, so there was a lot of uh, analysis cheat sheets. So one of the really fun things that I've always loved is trying to decode something that I have no idea what it is. Uh, in that bookmarks file was the first um, exposure to things like CyberChef, where uh, if you get a, a piece of command line or you get some oddball piece of uh, code or something that's encrypted, it's a, uh, you can use that to uh, decrypt and understand exactly what's inside of it. Um, he, there was a few different references to other CyberChef recipes, which is literally just combinations of encodings and decodings, um, a couple links to how to uh, examine packet captures, how to use things like uh, SSL TLS encryption keys to decrypt a packet capture that you found. Uh, it was a lot of fantastic stuff that I had uh, maybe only read about a little bit in my, my certification guides, but never had gotten hands-on that the certifications are fantastic and they are they are a wonderful learning tool but so many of them don't touch on a lot of those um supporting links and references the cheat sheets the the actual tools github links to those those little tools and things like that um i think it's like the other side of the coin in order to really fill out your knowledge and as you you grow in that that role how did you start to network for your next role, your planned growth? Um, was that a, a continuous marketing strategy and people knew you or was this a, a silent hunt um, at the end of your third shift? 
Um, I mean, it started off as a silent hunt because, uh, I mean, it's 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 you're new to the industry. This is your, my first role, and uh, as with most people here, I was plagued with um, this 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 fear of connecting connectivity and uh, uh, what's the term? Imposter syndrome. Like I, I just scared. I didn't feel like I should belong here. Like, should I even be talking to you? Is are, are you bothered right now, Mister Expert Hacker in the other room? I'm so sorry. Uh, and then I, after slowly starting just just working up the courage to talk to people, uh, because like the actual sock area was right next to the 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 labs where all the red teamer guys were, starting to realize that that's not at all the the tone of this industry. I, I mean, it's it started with with the folks over at Sword and Shield. And then I've noticed this everywhere else I've gone. Everyone has been so eager to talk and train and connect and network. And uh, really all you have to do is take that first leap and just say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm here to learn. Would you be willing to teach me anything? And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a, a bounty of, of resources after that. Um, talk to the red teaming guys over in the next group. Um, there's a uh, uh, local communities for um, like DEFCON groups. I've been a part of um, DC 865, a uh, local group in Knoxville for a bit. Um, and there's uh, just, just joining them and talking to them saying, Hey, does this, would anybody have the chance to talk to me or go to some of their meetups and ask questions of people that have been in the industry. And that's, that's the, one of the best ways to do that. Um, I actually met a guy through uh <laughs> playing my my Tuesday D and D group, um, uh, who worked up at SAIC, big military defense contractor up in Oak Ridge, um, and he's a project manager up there. And I got to talking to him, and uh, noticed that they happen to have a a shift lead position up there, you know, tier two position, um, and there wasn't one available at Sword and Shield. And so I um, figured, well, I mean, maybe that would be a good good chance to to move up move into something different instead of the mdr space move to an in-house sock and see what's that that's like and that's how i got the next step nice so you're combining your interest for the industry plus your own passion your own passions for D&D, which would most would consider your hobbies um, and combining them together. And that, that's how you find your next role. That, that's great. Because I think a lot of people forget to think about their um, other networks in the same way when you're job hunting. Um, so that, that's great that you highlighted that. So how did your next role go from that uh, military contractor. Uh, that was that was fun. Um, it was a, a, a big shift. So for for those working in in a sock, working in an internal sock for a company is is surprisingly quite different from working in a sock for an MSSP or an MDR. Uh, the ability that you have to look into a network is very different. Of course, it, the scope is much smaller because you have one network versus a hundred or thousand or whatever you have. Um, but with the internal SOC, you're able to, to dig in a little bit more. You're able to reach out to people. You're able to talk to other departments. Um, so like prime example is if you have a uh, security alert for some suspicious login for someone who says, hey, they're logging in from Madagascar or something for the first time. Uh, in an MDR or an MSSP, uh, all you can really do is create tickets, send it over to the customer and saying, hey, 
they're logging in from Madagascar. Are they supposed to be doing that? Well, in an internal SOC, you can track it down a little bit. You can check internal records for um, for vacation schedules, or you can reach out to that person's manager and say, hey, are they supposed to be you know, traveling and working remote or something like that? So there's uh, a much greater opportunity to kind of dig into the bottom of uh, uh, of, an, of an issue or an incident, get closer to the the incident response side of the house. And that, but it was uh, it was a blast. Um, worked as the the shift lead, moved from thirds up to seconds, uh, then from seconds up to firsts. Um, once I I got on first shift and realized what working in the daylight was like. I never really wanted to go back, but um, I am appreciative of, of the opportunity to, to, to move up. Yeah. Um, Earlier in my career, I, I worked in a data center. Um, sim- similar to your AT&T role, I did everything in the data center that was physical. So um, pulling copper, pulling coax, pulling fiber, pulling ethernet, troubleshooting, creating loops, and understanding all about those those physical networks. But that was a third shift role. And that does that does weigh on you a lot when you think about it. Well the other hidden benefit of of third shifts is is so think about all the different security alerts and issues that you have to investigate as an analyst and responder and how much of those are human based. So if you're on third shift, um, all of the the weird login issues that create a bunch of alerts at 8 a.m. when everybody logs in, they don't happen during the middle of third shift. So you get to see almost a completely different slew of of things to investigate. Um, There's more activity from China and Russia at those times. It's uh, because it's quieter. Uh, sometimes you might have more downtime waiting for more alerts to come into the queue. So there's more time for training. There's more time for threat hunting. Uh, it's a, it's, I really use third shift a lot for that, uh, that training. I did a lot of my own personal growth. That's when I got my CISSP by studying that in the middle of the night. Um, I did a lot of training with my team then helping them get through some of their indirect research when I was a shift lead. So there's a, there's a lot of advantages to that as well. Thanks. Uh, glad glad that you highlighted them as well, because uh, that's definitely true. And as you think about internal socks versus external socks, which one do you prefer? Well, um, I uh, for some odd reason uh, I like the punishment of juggling hundreds and hundreds of customers at the same time. Uh, I'm now on my third uh, MDR MSSP over here at SecureWorks, um, and it's fantastic. I, I like the pace of it. I like the complexity of it. Um, I like being able to not just know the ins and outs of one network, but hundreds of them. I like to be able to give advice to uh, uh, and, and, cons- and, and consult uh, customers on growing their, their security programs at different levels. Because we have some customers that are, I mean, heck, all, almost mature as us, if not more mature. And we have some that are uh, uh, quite fresh and need as much help as they can get and everything in between. So it's, it, it is really, uh, really a blessing to be able to, to help them at any stage of that process. It's quite fun. Nice. So as we think back to the Tom with the trombone early in his career, what, what advice, one piece of advice would you give him? Um, my goodness. Uh, uh, read more. 
Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, I was not the best student my first time around in college. Uh, my grades were not what they should have been. I was not as passionate about it as I am now. Now I kind of, uh, kick myself in the pants cause I wish I was as passionate about learning as I am now, as I was the first time around in school. Mm-hmm. Like now, now that I've been in the industry, I've been bitten by the bug. It's not a job. It's, it's, it's a whole lifestyle. My, I mean, my wife uh, has, has fussed me for the past couple of Christmases because uh, she'll say, okay, write down a list of the things you want for Christmas. And I'll give her a list. And she's like, this is all books. Why are you giving me a list of all books? Get me something fun to put on here. I'm like, no, I, I just want books. I want to read more books. And it's because it's, it's just that desire to learn and grow my skill set. My knowledge is just, it, it's been fantastic. I wish I had that. Uh, at the outset, um, so for the the, the Tom that was like back then, read everything. It, it sounds like you wanted your younger self just to be more curious. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, read everything. Talk to everyone. Um, I, I I quickly found out that there was uh, most of what was holding me back is just my own head. Um, is is taking uh, some of the risks and chances to go to to uh, apply for the next role, um, talking to people and expanding my skills. So it's, it, it also sounds like a little bit of that imposter syndrome that kind of had you all throughout your career. Yeah, I mean, I I, I still struggle with it. I mean, heck, now I, I want to get uh, a a. A presentation I have to give up to a director or a VP. I'm still still giving the presentation. I'm like, why am I here? I shouldn't be talking to someone with 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 C in their title somewhere. I it, it, it still it still messes with me. Wow, very fascinating story, Tom. Really loved getting to know you. Thank you for sharing, and I, I'm sure there's several folks out there that this will help inspire and help have that butterfly effect. For those of you watching after the fact, please share this with your friends and family. We need a diverse group of folks in this industry to tackle the tough problems that we're doing. We need curious people like Tom that started in music and ended up in cyber. So no no matter where you come from, you have a place here and we're, we're willing to teach you like Tom said. So thank you very much for joining us. Give us a review wherever you're listening to us and share with all. Thanks, folks.